Well, hello. This is Brother Jason Skipper once again with a word for preachers. I want to take us back to 1 Timothy chapter number 1 and verse number 5, where the apostle said the end of the commandment is charity. We know that in Matthew 22, when tempted, in verses 35 through 40, that Jesus, being tempted and asked what the great commandment of the law was, said it was to love the Lord supremely exclusively um, and that all other love would flow from that is what the scripture teaches but then he said the second is to love our neighbor as ourself we know in Romans chapter 13 verses 8 through 10 that love fulfills the law as well as Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 14 we know that it's the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous Jesus himself said similarly in John 14 verse 15 through 23 and stated that the one who loves the Lord would keep his word and he would experience and enjoy the presence of God. The thing that uh, I want to look at today is to move a little farther beyond what we did last week when we looked at the issue of the law and um, those who are opposed to the law, those who reject the law, and then those who go too far with the law and become legalists. I want to look at the fact that love is the spirit of the law. Uh, if I love God, I'm not sinning. If I love my brother or my neighbor as myself, I'm not sinning against them. But this is a word to preachers. And so it's necessary that we recognize the duty of love that we have. Notice that the ministry is called a bishopric the work of shepherding. And even Judas, though never having pastored a church, is mentioned in Acts chapter 1 as having had a bishopric, an office, a place and position of overseeing. Shepherds, we are told in John 15, rather John 10, Jesus talking about being the good shepherd, that he lays down his life for his sheep. Uh, we know the reason that Jesus died for us is because he loves us. Being under shepherds in 1 Peter chapter 5, as we're taught there, we're to love the flock. We're to love the people to whom we minister, the ones we're trying to reach. That's an issue today that we need to keep in mind. I don't want, first of all, to deal with love from the perspective of the person who tends to be a bit harsh. Because most, many times we have a tendency because of our convictions about right and wrong to be harsh. We're human. We become impatient. And in impatient, we think that rebuke is um, harshness. And oftentimes rebuke can be quite stern and yet at the same time be filled with gentleness and kindness. And we have to learn love so that we don't lash out in anger and wrath and bitterness and impatience as we try to minister to people, but that our love would prompt us to hold up the truth, stand for the truth, but that we have to realize that love as we're doing so, that love 
actually seeks the well-being of the ones to whom we minister. And that means that we might alienate them with the truth, but we can never alienate them with our attitudes. We must never alienate them with our attitudes. It's easy to be harsh. It's easy to be critical and even hypercritical. It's easy to... I don't want to get into the issue of judgmentalism. That's a totally different thing, but sometimes we do write people off as being beyond redemption or beyond hope or totally without care and concern or even lost. We need to be careful with that. But usually we just, if we're not careful, we're just hypercritical. We tend to get into a scornful attitude sometimes. Too much sarcasm, too much biting sarcasm. And I want to remind you, and maybe if you've never heard it before, tell you that standing for the truth and rebuking sin is not throwing a temper tantrum. Sometimes it is just simply, quietly, and calmly speaking to a person who has refused to repent of their sins and explaining to them the next step in this is that you're going to have to stand before God with this. You need to understand that chastening is coming your way if you're God's child. and Maybe church discipline is actually the next thing in line. and You don't even have to raise your voice and yell and scream to do that. Even in preaching, some of the most serious messages are not always the loudest and the most um, passionate sounding. Sometimes passion comes across calmly and quietly, where there's just this almost deathly stillness and blood earnestness that comes across rather than the sharpness and harshness of a person who's just simply giving the reins away and letting their anger and wrath run wild. So remember that love seeks the well-being and seeks to help and seeks to um, attract by means of truth, by means of kindness and meekness, by means of showing the love and the care that convinces a person that even if they don't agree with you that you're and you don't agree with them, that you're trying to be used of God to help. And when people are convinced that you love them, there are so many things that you can say, and so many things that you can do that you could not do otherwise. That there was a time that I thought that what a person needed was knowledge. I love knowledge. I still to this day um, enjoy the strides that I take when I study and when I find and perceive myself to grow and grasp things, that understanding increases. Let us always remember that 1 Corinthians chapter 8 tells us, Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. It's one thing to know. It's one thing to have a grasp of the scriptures. It's a totally 
different thing to know it and then to put it into practice and minister it with love. Remember that 1 Corinthians 13 says, Without love we are nothing, and all that we do profits us nothing. And that brings us to the next thing about love, is that love is not permissive when it comes to sin. 1 Corinthians 13 says that love, or charity, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Love applies knowledge in a way to seek to be a blessing, to seek to build up, to seek to strengthen. Sometimes we get so sickened by the harshness and the pharisaical hypocrisy and rudeness and crudeness and sarcasm and sometimes it just seems like even downright hatefulness of some that we tend to throw standards to the side in the name of love. We tend to throw taking a stand for what is right aside in the name of love and we can't do that either. If you'll recall, God exhorted Joshua in chapter 1 to turn aside neither to the right hand nor to the left hand. We can go to neither extreme if we're going to be right. We have to plod the straight and narrow in love, upholding the truth by not being too critical and harsh and by not being too permissive. You see, it's not loving at all to allow a person to go on in their sins unchecked, to allow a person to go on unheeding in the way to destruction. It's not loving at all when we know that the sheep are heading right into the path of predators and the traps and snares of Satan. It's not loving at all for us to not call them back. It's not loving at all for a shepherd to not correct his sheep and allow him to continue on to the path of destruction and even self-destruction. So we need to find that balance. We need to strive for that balance. We need to seek that balance to where we understand that we are standing for the truth and contending for the faith, and yet we're doing it without being contentious. We're doing it without being harsh. We're doing it with people knowing how loving we are. Years ago, the man that raised my mother was an old-time preacher. Not one who was extremely educated, probably wasn't the deepest man in the Scripture, even had a bit of a speech impediment. But the older generation of preachers before me, who is now gone, they called him the peacemaker. He was a man who, as one man told me, your grandpa could tell a person that their feet were stinking and he could do so without hurting their feelings. There was a time that a church entered into a, a very difficult time, very divisive time. And as he, they did so, they began to bring their guns to church with them back in the 1960s. They wanted to get rid of the pastor, at least a great amount of them, but they didn't have the 50% plus majority to do so. And so, after a service, one night a man went back and he changed all the locks on the building so that he was the only one who had a key. 
the pastor arrived and realized what state they had gotten into and he left. Told them they needed to call someone else. And somehow my grandfather got word. And with a kindly placed word here and there, the man who had the only key to the building came and opened up the building and they began to have service and he stayed with them and met with them and taught them and until such time as they calmed down and within about six months they called a pastor and as far as I know they've never been in such a state again. And he did so with both truth and love. Not coddling people who had done wrong but neither being harshly critical so that he alienated people who had done wrong. And there's an amazing amount of wisdom that love will show seeking to be a blessing. And, and if people know that you love them, for you that are especially who are younger and haven't been in the ministry too long, if people know that you love them and they know you have their best interests at heart, there are so many people that are willing to overlook mistakes you make because they'll love you in return and they know that you want the best for them. And the sooner that we learn the pathway and the nature of love, that love causes us to sacrifice, love causes us to humble ourselves, love causes us to get our hands dirty, love causes us to die to ourselves that we might minister to others. That's what Jesus did. He did more of that than he did rebuking while on earth. Yes, he rebuked, and he rebuked scathingly at times, calling down judgment upon people. But it was only when people had rejected love, when they had rejected truth, when through multiple efforts they continued to resist, that he did that. There's a place for it all. And love will help us to see when. Because as we seek the best, what we will do is we'll seek God and His guidance and His wisdom. So in love, we will know when is the time to teach? When is the time to be long-suffering and patient and kind? When is the time to be very tolerant, not of sin, but of abuses against ourselves sometimes? So that we can seek to be a blessing. It will also let us know when it is time to just stop and say, enough is enough. And stand up. And call out sin. And sometimes, sometimes you even have to call people by name. But when you've loved them for years and sought to be a blessing, they may use their mouth and deny it and hate you and scorn you. But the proof of the love will be present. And those around you will know of that. And what you have to do in the middle of all of that loving and through it all is to pray. To pray for your people. Ask God's guidance how to minister to them. Ask the Lord to change their hearts. Ask the Lord to draw them near to Him. Ask the Lord to save their souls. Ask the Lord to humble them down. Ask the Lord sometimes to even chasten them. But through all of it, be the person they know 
that they can come to for guidance from God's Word. Be the person that they know is praying for them. Be the person they know that they can come to for help. Love is the key to an effective ministry. We hold to the truth, but we must speak the truth in love. But we must speak it. We speak it with kindness. We speak it with boldness. Sometimes we speak it with sharpness, but love will guide us that we know how to do it in the appropriate times. Love will give us wisdom. Love is the godly application of the truth in ministry. May God bless you. Please pray for me that I will grow in this. Thank you for listening.